0: claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher availability of rsn's varies by zip code and package high-speed internet service required terms and restrictions apply
2: hello and welcome to front and nationwide this is the athletics dedicated blue jackets podcast here in am with you on a Wednesday afternoon as the Blue Jackets start to settle into the offseason. The NHL did non-playoff teams a favor, at least in my mind, uh, by moving the NHL lottery up earlier in the summer. It was held on Tuesday. And now we know the Blue Jackets will have the number six overall pick and the number 12 overall pick when the draft is staged July 7 and 8 in Montreal. As you probably know, the number six pick comes from the Chicago Blackhawks as Sort of the final piece, at least the final piece of what the Blue Jackets are getting for the Seth Jones trade last summer. The 12th pick is the Blue Jackets' own based on where they finished the season. So 6-12, and 12, now we know. And back on front of Nationwide to help us get a read on this draft, who might be available for the Blue Jackets uh, in those spots, and how all of this might fall into place is, is the athletics prospect guru, Scott Wheeler. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for being
1: back on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's funny how you only call me once a year, right? Twice. Or twice, yeah. Fair Thank enough. you.
2: That gets me off the hook a little. <laughs> gets me off the hook a little. I look forward to seeing you at the draft. I just talked to Ville yeah. Seer and the Blue Jackets draft guide. It's like, I haven't I haven't shaken that hand or said hello to Ville in person. It's been almost three years. We haven't heard Ville stand at the podium and announced the Blue Jackets' first pick, which is always a treat, in almost three years. So it feels like it's starting to come back. Um you must be going crazy right now cuz the lottery is of course a big night for a prospect guru such as yourself, Scott.
1: Yeah, and I'm just to echo you, I'm I'm really excited to be in Montreal and to be doing it in person after what has happened the last 2 years with the draft and how different it felt for all of us and yep. uh, our audience may not know, but it's it's a big deal even just for the athletic to get all of us together, get all of us in the same place and because we don't have an office space, the draft has become kind of our our meeting point to to see familiar faces and it's it's a on top of it being a a very busy professional weekend for all of us it's just a ton of fun to get together and and see everybody so that piece of it it has has got me really really excited and there's may not be a better nhl market to get together in than montreal so uh, it's going to be a blast especially now that they have confirmed the number one pick
2: yeah right and it's montreal's woof yeah, that's that's serious. I mean, we all know who it's going to be. Right. But that city should be a buzz. Um, mm-hmm. No pressure on young Mr. Shane, right? Uh, yeah, it's going
1: to be electric. And yeah. he, he's exactly what they need. They they have badly been after that sort of second line center to compliment Nick Suzuki. And uh, if Shane can become what everybody thinks he can become, then then Suzuki and Wright should be a good one to punch down yeah. the middle for them.
2: Yeah. So help us get a, a read on this draft as a whole if you can cuz it's it's being yeah. compared unfavorably already to next year's draft class and yet individually I look I look at some of these guys especially the first half of the first round and it sure reads like there's some some talented maybe not franchise guys but there's some talented guys available in this in this group help us to kind of I don't know, frame this thing? How how great is this draft? We we won't know for sure for five years, but are you more excited than maybe some uh, act as they are at this point?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's funny how whenever there's one of those those sort of tentpole crescendo type drafts where it, you really hit a high note, uh, like in 2003 or 2015 or in 2023 upcoming, the, the two or three years before each of those drafts and the two or three years after each of those drafts, we always have these conversations about how such and such a draft is weaker than than we're used to, and I think it's yeah. always anchored in that maybe naive belief that 2015 and 2023 are the norm, when really those are are the exception to the rule. Uh, and, and I mean, next year, because of what it's going to be with Connor Bedard and Matt Meechkov and Adam Fantilli, and the, you're you could see three superstars come out of that draft and you could see 20 true sort of impact stars in the first Mm. round. That's how good it is. And normally that group, as far as the star group, forget the the big three at the top. Normally that star group is only eight to 12 in, in any draft class. So for us to already be talking about 20, 21, 22 kids in next year's draft class speaks to how special it's going to be. And as a result, Fans want to tank for that year specifically, right, and there's right. a souring about this year's lottery and what this year's lottery means, and everything becomes relative. And I think it does a little bit of a disservice to this draft class, uh, and it did it just as it did a disservice to 2016 coming out of 2015, and this conversation around 2016 being a weaker draft, and lo and behold, there's Austin Matthews at the top, right? So right. Um, it, it's it, it's still going to be a good draft. You're going to see stars. Uh, even 2017 you go back and look at 2017 what did it give us after all of the maligning of how weak of a draft it was it gave us Kale mccarr and elias petterson four or five right so right. i think this draft has that same kind of feel hmm. shane wright is tremendous i think he's going to be a fantastic player but he's not Connor mcdavid or Connor bedard uh so so that's a part of the conversation no question it has to be something that teams are are, are okay with heading into the draft, but I think beyond Shane, it, it, it's a good group. And as this year has progressed, I've grown fonder and fonder of it. Frankly, I'm I'm in the process right now of putting together my final board, which will be out at the start of June, and it, it, it's grown. The the number of players hmm. that I like at the top has grown from at midseason. Really, a, a group of 11 at the top has now become 12 or 13. And then in the middle, from sort of 13 through to the 20s, uh, mid-20s at least, I, I'm more excited about that group as well than I was uh, back in February. So uh, it, it's it's going to be a good draft. It's not a, a, a sort of deal-breaker draft, but there, there are going to be impact high-end kids that come out. At, at both positions, at forward and on defense. There there's no top goalie in this group, but uh it, it's not a it's not a positional draft either. There's there are darn good centers, darn good wingers, and defensemen with who shoot both both sides, lefties and righties, who are who are legit. So um, that that piece of the puzzle does have me still excited about this group.
2: Yeah. Like I always say there there are there are great players in every draft. You just don't know their mm-hmm. names yet. Mm -hmm. That's it's to be discovered down the line. There's always the, I don't think Patrice Bergeron was considered a great player that draft year. And no, I mean, Shea
1: Weber
2: was a second round pick, right? Yes. Don't bring up that draft in Columbus, by the way, Scott, (laughs) bad, bad memories, that draft. Um, when you look at this group, so the blue jackets are picking sixth and 12th. Um, I don't know if you look at it this way, but there, there's there's one tier for Shane Wright in and of himself. I believe that's probably fair. Yeah, where's the next step? Where's the next ledge, if you will, um, after that? After Shane Wright, where's the next ledge of of talent? And is there is there a clear line, or is it sort of murky when you get into the lower, you know, six, seven, eight, nine range?
1: Well, I think for me, there's a, a clear group from two to four. After okay. that. Uh, but for the for the consensus, there's a the, the group is a little bit wider. Um, there's really seven players, so Shane Wright plus six, uh, really seven players that I expect will go in the first eight or nine picks. And okay. the draft normally isn't that predictable, but there has developed, I think, a really strong consensus around the two top D in this draft, in David Yercheck and Simon Nemitz, mm-hmm. and then the the three or four top forwards after Shane Wright being Logan Cooley, Matthew Savoy, Joachim Kemmel, and Uri Slavkovsky, So I think you'll see those six names go almost, if not as these six names directly after right, then pretty darn close, I'd suspect. Uh, and then after that, you get into that wider group from sort of eight to into the teens, if you will. So in theory, uh, with drafting at six and 12, the, the, the Blue Jackets should get one player from that group of seven, uh, and then one player from that next group. And that next group has has some really strong names as well. So uh, hopefully, uh, cross your fingers. But there's, I think they've got a real chance to kind of copy and paste uh, what they did last year. And and if they can do that, I think they'll be really happy, as they should be, with uh, Cole Sillinger and and Kent Johnson, right?
2: Yeah, Kuleman's later.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So not to put on rose colored glasses here, but it sounds like if, if you're not in that one spot, or maybe if you're not in the in the one or one, two, three spot, being having six twelve is a pretty good spot to be once you get past those top guys. Is that a fair to have two cracks yeah. at that that group?
1: Absolutely. I think the expectation is that Logan Cooley is going to be gone in quick succession after Shane Wright, either second overall or third overall. I, I think you'll see Yuri Slavkovsky go second or third overall, maybe even second um, to the New Jersey Devils. Yeah. But after that, if they're going to be picking between one of the other names that I mentioned, one of Savoy, Giracek, Kemmel, and Nemitz, those are four players that are about comparable. So I don't, I don't think the team that drafts fourth overall is going to be getting a significantly better player than, than the Blue Jackets will at six. So yeah. um, that's a, that's a win as far as I'm concerned. It, it, I, re- again, I really don't think the difference between drafting fourth and drafting seventh uh, or in, in Columbus's case, six is, is going to be particularly pronounced. And then you just hope to really take a swing on a kid at 12 and, and make contact.
2: Right. Right. And Slavkowski does sound like a devil, doesn't he?
1: Yeah. They just just doesn't because he? they have Hughes and He Shade down the middle and Cooley yeah. is a center right. and they have Hughes coming as as obviously last year's first round pick on D. It just feels like, and this is rare for a team at the top, but it feels like they're going to pick a winger, which is the thing that we always expect teams not to to target. Right. So uh Slavkovsky immediately becomes that guy. I know Devils fans have have griped with me all year about how their team is too small. And Slavkovsky fits checks that box yes, as well in terms yes, of does. just being the big kid. Uh, and he's closer to pro ready. And I know they don't want to be in their rebuild for forever. So all of those things just seem to make a lot of sense for Slavkovsky uh, at number two to the devils. And he's not in that two, three, four group that i talked about he's he's right at the front of that next group he's more of a guy that i would rank five to seven um but uh, i don't think it's a terrible pick pick there either
2: how many guys in this draft scott would you say have tops top six center potential because that's that's obviously that's everyone's desire that's for sure the blue jackets uh right for sure cooley for sure who else fits that Description as a top six guy, not necessarily talking the the number one quintessential guy, but a guy that could play top six.
1: I think there are probably six players that I would immediately come to mind, Wright being one, Cooley being two, Matt Savoy being three, Frank Nazar being four, Connor Geeky being five, and then the six, who's more of a, a fringe guy and, and not likely to be in, in the conversation for for those two picks that they have at the front end of the first round is a kid by the name of Noah Ostland, uh, okay. who was brilliant at U18s and one of three tremendous prospects coming out of Jer Gardens' program. They're likely going to have three forwards, all of whom played on the same line for the same club team uh, drafted in the first round this year. And Ostland was the center of that line. So he, he's a sort of slick five foot eleven, a little bit of a skinnier skinnier kid, but tons and tons yeah. of skill um, that sort of dynamic, speedy player that every team tries to find maybe a little bit later uh, in the draft, kind of in the second half of the first round. So yeah. those are those are really the five centers in this draft. And I, I, I mean, if if they really wanted to go all in on uh, drafting those guys uh, in Columbus, they could take they could in theory take two of those kids with those picks.
2: Well. You Know, I, let me ask you we're talking to Scott Wheeler of, of the athletic prospects guru. Um, I don't know the draft last night. How would you say I did? I mean, feel free to be critical. Uh, Savoy at six and Geeky at 12. I was delighted, I don't care if they're both centers. Um, I was delighted that both were, were there when they when, when the pick came up for the Blue Jackets. We're talking about the athletic mock pick that's on the site. You can you can go look at it now. It's a great read. Um, your thoughts on how the Blue Jackets fared with the general manager you're talking to?
1: Yeah, no, I, I liked it. I liked yeah? it. And good, I, I love the Winnipeg connection. I mean, obviously, they're both right. centers. They are the first and second line centers, Heavy respectively, ice. for the Winnipeg Heavy ice in, yes. in the WHL. Um, very different players. Savoy is an explosive skater, dynamic on the puck, dangerous from anywhere in the offensive zone nhl shot hound off the puck just a sort of energizer bunny type and geeky is the big sort of playmaking physical when he needs to be but i I wouldn't call him a bruiser or a super punishing player he's just the 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 sort of prototypical six foot three six foot four center um so no i i I mean i loved it They're, they're they're obviously teammates they were drafted first and second overall into the whl together they've been together for three years now or parts of three years um and it, that would be a heck of a story and i'm sure they would be thrilled by that outcome so uh, savoy in particular I, i'm a huge fan of he was second on my midseason uh list and while he won't be there on my final list, he'll be very close to that and he'll be ahead of, of sixth overall, but I think there's a very good chance he's still around at sixth overall. Uh, and that would give me oh. shades of, of Kent Johnson last year too, right? Kent was, yeah, as you five. know, sort of second and third, uh, for me all year long. And I love that pick. So Savoy in particular, I, I would, I would be really fond of that pick at sixth overall. And then Geeky is uh, he's he's a he's a fine pick at twelve as well. I, I I do prefer Frank Nazar if we're talking about those five centers. I think Frank could well be available there, and I think he's a better prospect than Geeky. But I mean, it's apples and oranges at, at that point. Those two yeah. players are comparable in terms of
2: of the tier. I just have a hard time believing that a six foot four, two hundred pounds center is going to be there at twelve. Like those are the guys that just draw eyes, big big. Big, big GM scouting eyes. That size
1: is especially if they go deep. Yeah. I mean, that, there's yeah. a chance that, that team could be playing in the Memorial Cup right yeah. in the draft, and right. nobody else is going to be playing hockey. And scouts are going to be gathered in St. John for the Memorial Cup, and it, there are there's a good chance that several teams' their last viewings of a of any prospect in this draft class are of a uh, 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 Matt Savoy and a Connor Geeky. And it's yeah. going to be hard to, to forget that heading into the draft, I think. Sure, sure.
3: Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us.
0: You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's go in on Savoy
2: a little bit, because I I I've not seen him play live. I keep I hear you what you said about his the speed and tenacity with which he plays. He's got mm-hmm. a bit of an edge too, or a chip on his shoulder too. He does not he does not get pushed around, if my understanding is correct.
1: Yeah, he's a bit of a smaller kid, but you'd never know. He's, he's yeah. sort of that five foot ten, five foot eleven dynamic playmaker. But he's also his calling card, and and you often think of those smaller playmakers as maybe being a little bit shy from the puck or playing to the perimeter and being the sort of power play types. That's that's not Savoy's game at all. I mean, he has all of that, but he plays in the guts of the ice. He's fiery. He drives the net. He finishes all of his checks. He's a hound on the forecheck. check. He's a hound on the back check. Um, so that is as much as the skill and the speed and the shot. That's a big part of his game. And that has been really what has defined him is just how much he works and how he's going all the time, 24 seven. So um, that's a, that's exciting for me. I, I I see him as one of the most talented players in this draft class. And I also see him as the kid who at his size is not going to have any issues adjusting maybe in ways that other five foot 10 forwards sometimes do. So uh, I I just don't see anything standing in that kid's way. I did a big feature with Daniel Bowman on him earlier this year. Obviously Bowman is our our Edmonton Oilers writer and the Savoy family are from Edmonton and Matthew's older brother Carter is Edmonton Oilers draft pick. Uh, And just in speaking with, a dozen people for that story the the takeaways were always the same, and it was just that this kid is a force of nature and he's going to will it into existence and and sort of make himself as good as he's capable of being and with the skill that he has that's a a darn exciting sort of proposition yeah. if you will and those are just the kind of guys that
2: yarmo kick a line and i mean everybody wants that of course he cherishes that that attitude that that drive. Those are the sort of guys that just jump off the, the charts for him. Mm-hmm. Um is never a bad time, Scott Wheeler, to take a defenseman either. Uh the Blue Jackets drafted Kuhlman's last year. Uh you've yep. got a, a, an interesting stable of NHL guys or right around NHL guys, guys who are sort of, you know, the the Canasco guys that are gonna surface here in the next couple of years. Christensen, um but i i don't rule out them splitting up those two picks and going going forward mm-hmm. d um this uh or d forward yeah yeah for sure i mean if one of these for somehow, if Nemec or Jir- Jiracek check slides who knows um how special are these guys? And I get the sense there's some offensive upside to both of these guys as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think, I mean, I'm a big fan of both. I actually am partial to Simon Nemitz, but the scouting community, if you were to survey scouts, uh, a survey of 10 scouts probably ends up seven to three in favor of Yurichek. Um, Nemitz certainly has some big, big fans out there, but Yurichek is the six foot three. Kid and Nemitz is the six-foot kid and that tends to be the decider when push comes to shove. So yeah. um they're both fabulous. Yearchik plays a very bold aggressive game with and without the puck. He's a more physical player. He's got an absolute cannon from the point and Nemitz is the more the the tactical the the finesse player if you will. He's a smoother skater. He is just a, a, the game kind of flows through him in a way that it maybe doesn't for Yearchik but your has this sort of upside and, and quality to his game that teams really covet. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're both fabulous. They're both in that group of seven for me. I think there's a very good chance that the Seattle Kraken after having taken Matty Beniers a year ago, want a defenseman at fourth overall. So I, I think one of them is surely gone and your is, Probably the more likely, just uh, based off of the conversations I've had with scouts, uh, which means you'd, you'd be zoom, you'd be zeroing in on Nemitz at, at sixth overall and, and trying to sort of combat him against a player like a Savoy uh, at that slot. Uh, but, I, I mean, if it's Matt Savoy or Simon Nemitz at sixth, that's a win-win-win for me. So um, I, I really like both of those kids. I think they both have a chance to be top-pairing defensemen. And they're righties, which doesn't hurt there. either.
2: Yeah, I was just going to ask you, because I think the Blue Jackets like the potential, of course, in Coolumans. Um, I still think, they they'll looking off into the future, they're not quite sure who plays with Wierenski when they're sort of yeah. where they want to be. Um, and it could be one of these, one of these kids for sure. Um, let's, if we can, Scott Wheeler of the Athletic we're talking to, um, just go back and sort of relive the three picks now that we've got one year of information on these kids what yeah. the Blue Jackets took last year. not You mentioned early on, this year they're 6-12. Last year they were 5-12. and 12. Ken Johnson at 5. Cole Sillinger at 12, which now looks like a real steal. Um, and Kuhlman's at 23. Let's just go one by one. Your thoughts on Ken Johnson. Got to the NHL late after Michigan got bounced from the Frozen Four. I thought he struggled a little bit in a way that you would expect him to struggle. It was the size issue, the strength. Mm -hmm. He's still a very slight young man, but you could see little glimmers of playmaking there. Uh, Your thoughts on that pick now a year later?
1: Yeah, I I still love it. Um, I'm of the mind that you take a a home run swing uh, at the top of the draft wherever possible. And that is Ken Johnson, in my view. He's the kind of player who I think is going to be a quarterback, whether it's from the wall or from the point on a first power play. I think he's the kind of player who could score 20 or 30 points a year on the power play alone. Uh, And then if he can be a 40, 50 point player at even strength, then suddenly you've got a a 70, 80 point offensive dynamic player. Uh, The the big question is, as you alluded to, the, the frame that has always been really the be all and end all question with Kent and similar to to how it was the be all and end all question with Elias Pedersen heading Mm -hmm. into his draft year until it wasn't Elias was the same sort of scrawny build. Right. Um, And we know how that's worked out for Elias once he figured it out at the NHL level. So I, I kind of have the same expectation for Kent. He's always going to play a little bit on the outside. He's always going to be a more of a passer than a scorer. Uh, but when he has the puck on his stick and gets lots of touches and is the guy who's carrying through the neutral zone and being creative and clever inside the offensive zone, he's just got an ability to make plays and to pull rabbits out of his hat that, that very few players do. So I think he's going to find the highlight reel a number of times throughout his yeah. career. And I just think he's going to be a really exciting player. And if you compare him with two players who are more sort of the meat and potato types, and he can play off of those guys. Then you've got a, the makings of a really good line at the top of your lineup. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I'm not of the mind that every single player in an NHL lineup has to be the 200 foot physical in the corners types. I think you can mix and match in any good NHL lineup and figure it out. And you need you need the guy who can also break open a game in a single moment. And that, that in theory is what Kent's going to be in the prime of his career. So. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he becomes. I think he still has one of the higher upsides of the twenty twenty one class.
2: Yeah, you could see little glimmers. There was even if even games where he didn't really make an impact, there would always be one or two moment one or two moments where you went, Oh, oh, that was nice. That was really nice. Even if it's a pass out of the defensive zone. He made a few there that were just so sharp and so crisp, but I don't think anybody else in the building saw until mm. the puck was already on at its target, which is that's really something. Now Cole Sillinger is the, is is a uh, real bright story for this franchise. Sixteen goals as a eighteen year old in the NHL, and I keep coming back to this for people from per, from perspective because you know eight sixteen goals doesn't sound like a ton when you look at at how some of the young players in the league uh, are scoring now, and how it used to be they waited forever to make a splash. Now they come right in and they explode, but. This kid was 18 years old. To give you an idea, Rick Nash, the great Rick Nash, number just retired. He had 17 goals his first season. Mm. That's how tough it is as an 18-year-old. It's very rare, even in Columbus, for a player to go right into the league. What did you think, Scott Wheeler, of... Cole Sillinger as an 18-year-old in the NHL this
1: year? I thought he did well. All things considered, I thought he played well, basically start to finish. I I think there's a consistency about his game that is admirable. Um, He, Again, one of those players who does finish his checks and is involved and has that sort of scrappy nature to him when he needs it and also has slick hands and a really really hard wrist shot that pops off of his head and that those are the tools that are going to carry him in his career but i think because he was well-rounded enough and he was committed enough and he was mature physically in a way that players his age rarely are yeah. uh, that helped him and it helped him jump right in i mean you've bumped shoulders with him the kid is he, he's shredded right so he's packed um, yeah. That that part of it, I think, is is as much uh, a, a reason for him sort of making that immediate jump. But the, the skill can't be discounted either. And I think oftentimes when you've got players who are more advanced physically than their peers and who play the physical style that he did in junior, you project them into those sort of checking middle six kind of roles. And I think with Cole, the beauty of his game is that he's going to have some of that sort of checking quality to him throughout his career but he's also a talented finisher and he's going to put pucks in the back of the net and he's going to be on a power play and all of that. So I'm, I'm excited about Cole. I I think he's got a chance to be, I don't think he's going to be that sort of ceiling of 70 or 80 points. I think Kent has, has an opportunity to be if he hits all of his checkpoints, but if he can become a 55, 60 point guy for you, that is a heck of a hockey player considering everything that he has in, in terms of his package. So, um, uh, yeah, big big fan of him, and I thought considering he was the youngest player in the league this year, and considering I mean you talked about players exploding into the league, but considering some of the struggles we've seen from the Capo Cacos and the Alexi yeah. Lafreniere's and the Quinton Byfields, um, I thought given his where he was and and where he was drafted, it, it went about as well as you could hope a first year could go. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's a great point. Corson uh, Coolabanks, defenseman. Not a great Wisconsin team. Uh, he finished second on the team in scoring tight. Actually, finished tied for the lead in scoring, which you don't expect from a freshman defenseman. 7-15-22 uh, in 34 games. My sense is he didn't get off to a great start
1: in yeah.
2: Wisconsin. This is what people have told me, and finished strong. Uh, was one of the better Big Ten defensemen probably the last couple months of the season. Uh, One year later, your thoughts on Corson Kuhlman's?
1: Yeah, that was going to be my first point before you even mentioned it is it was an ugly start for him. I watched a couple of his games early on in the year, and he was always a, a very raw, sort of unpolished player. Even when he was dominating in the AJHL, there were times where he would get caught flat footed. And he would get burned to the outside and he'd give up a breakaway or he would have to sort of scramble through his pivot and then would take a a tripping or a hooking penalty because he got exposed. Um, There was decision making with the puck that was suspect. And then you looked at the actual player and a lot like Cole Sillinger built like a professional already, extremely physical and sort of muscular. um, The the size piece, the the right shot, all, all of that was there. He could really shoot it. Um, so the tools were were really exciting always with Corson. And then it was just about polishing it and refining it. And because he'd played in the AGHL and it took him some time uh to to sort of get adjusted in the NCAA, I think that was normal. That that's what you expect of a player coming out of junior A rather than uh sort of spending some time in the USHL, for example, before going the college route. Right. So um I wasn't super worried about the adjustment period, but there was definitely a, a steep learning curve. And then once he found his groove and began playing his game and worked with his coaches and all of that to sort of refine around the edges, I thought it all sort of really came together to him. And he had a strong, strong freshman year. So uh, I think he'll be on Canada's world junior team this year, heading, heading into Christmas here. Um, I, I think you'll see him play a big role on that team potentially uh, and then some of the notoriety usually follows after that. So I expect him to have a, a big, big sophomore year at, at Wisconsin.
2: And do you get a sense as their talk as to how much longer he'll stay at Wisconsin? Is it still a couple more years?
1: Yeah, he's going to be a two or three year guy. I don't think you'll yeah. see him spend the full four uh, just in, in having a couple of conversations with him over the years. He doesn't strike me as a kid who is there for the degree. Uh, yeah. I think he's a hockey feel, yeah. player. He He's very much that type. Uh, so in saying that, I think you'll probably see him want to leave as soon as possible, but that's probably, I would honestly say more likely three years than two, even unless he really takes a big step this season. Um, I don't think there's any rush there, but he's got a a real chance to be, uh, a sort of physical, what you see is what you get two way. Uh, defender in the NHL, and and those guys are 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 fewer and further between these days.
2: Yeah, he's about six two two oh five at last yeah. check. So he could be a two. He could be a six three two twenty guy by the time he's easy NHL ready. Yeah. Anybody else to be if we go through just last year's draft class with the Blue Jackets, Stanislav Fazle in the third round, Guillaume Richard fourth, uh, Nikolai Makarov in the fifth, along with James Malatesta. Uh, Ben Boyd in the sixth round, Martin Rice-Savvy in the seventh. Anybody else jump off the page and open your eyes this year, maybe in a way you didn't expect?
1: Uh, I think Richard would probably be my answer there. I actually thought he had a really impressive season at Providence. Uh, You look at his stat line, I I believe he had 13 or 14 points in 30-something games, so it wasn't something that would pop out at you. But Guillaume was always a top player in minor hockey growing up. He was a true star in Quebec and was expected to be a first-round pick in the QMJHL. And then when he went the USHL route to go to the college, um, his his numbers never really popped out in part because he was playing on a Tri-City Storm team in the USHL that had some really talented players on its back end offensively in terms of defensemen. So, Uh, everybody was just kind of waiting to see the offense. The defense has always been there. He is a stellar defenseman. He's long. He can really skate. He was brilliant for Canada in a, in a sort of shutdown role at, at under 18 worlds last year. And Canada won a rare gold at u 18s, which doesn't often happen for them. And then I thought he, the two way game really began to find itself at Providence this season. And I was impressed by him. And I know that Nate Wayman and the staff there really, really like him and trust him already, which is a big deal for a teenager at, at that school. So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Richard in, uh, in terms of that that group after uh, the, the three first-rounders. The big three.
2: Yeah, awesome. Scott Wheeler, thanks for your time. I, we always do appreciate it. Can't wait to have you on back again. We do it a couple times a year at least. <laughs> um, and the people always love hearing from you so so thanks so much for joining us appreciate it yeah thanks Portie. see you in Montreal bud yeah. alright folks thanks for listening uh, we will be back with you next week not sure exactly how many of these we're going to do leading up to the, to the draft we may take a break as news slows down a little bit uh, but there's still plenty to talk about um, I certainly appreciate uh, you listening and we will uh, talk to you again next week take care